Welcome back to the Messy City Podcast. This is Kevin Klinkenberg. I'm really excited today to have a special guest on the program, my old friend and uh, client, uh, David Gale of Gale Communities. Uh, Dave, it's really great to see you. It's been uh, way too long. It's been 20 years, Kevin. I've had the opportunity to listen to Messy City a number of times and respect what you're doing. Well, I really appreciate it. Um, it's uh, there's there's a whole lot that I'd really like to talk about today. Uh, we'll get through as as much as we can, uh, and and we'll try to keep it to about an hour. But uh, I think there's a number of things. Dave was uh, back in the day, uh, as we might say, in uh, 2001. Uh, was really the first, um, I, I would say, significant client that that uh, my old firm had. Um, with my uh, friend Brian Hendrickson and our firm 180 uh, Urban Design and Architecture. And uh, we had the opportunity to work with Dave on uh, a project called New Longview, which was a new urbanist project in uh, Lee Summit, Missouri. And uh, so we had an incredible experience working on that project together, uh, conceiving of it, designing it, uh, you know, watching it get built in some fashion. Uh, and so we have a long uh, history in that regard, but uh, there's there's a lot more behind all that that I think is interesting. And and uh, I think where I wanted to start with this today, Dave, was um, I, I knew a little bit about you when uh, before we did that project and we met uh, on some committees and different things that, where we got to know each other a little bit. Um, but I think it's interesting for people to know, uh, you know, how you came to doing development. Uh, and so at that time you'd actually been doing development for a number of years, but that wasn't your original starting place, if I remember right. Um, and I think it's, I just, I just think it's always fascinating for people to let people to look at others who have had success in real estate development and done it for a long period of time. Like, how did they get there? Where, where did they come from? So where did, where did that interest come from for you, uh, to get involved in development? Sure. Thanks. Um, and thanks for inviting me. Um, so uh, I, I went to uh, business school in uh, southern Ontario. I'm a Canadian and uh, met an American who uh, came up and, and lived with me. My wife and I uh, started a small picture framing store back in uh, about 1973. And we were right in front of the baby boomers. We didn't know what the hell we were doing, <laughs> uh, being both you know, 22 and 23 years old. And... Uh, about 20 years later, we had 60 stores across Canada with manu a couple of manufacturing plants, a couple of trucks that made deliveries, and and uh, uh, thought we were God's gift to picture framing in our gallery <laughs> business. And, and, and my uh, function was uh, expanding the, the network, um, the uh, controlling inventory, warehousing, and so forth, which incorporated real estate. And my undergraduate uh, happened to be in geography, uh, what we now call environmental uh, science. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I tell people that uh, I went to school at a time when um, uh, continental drift was a theory. Uh, <laughs> that, that's how uh, long I've been out of uh, school. Uh, I took geography because I didn't want to be full science, uh, physics, biology, chemistry, and so forth. And I didn't want to be totally arts, uh, English, history. So geography was the right place for me. And uh, picked up a couple um, land planning courses when land planning was certainly in its infancy. 
mm-hmm. uh, had the opportunity to pick up one course at the University of Waterloo run by the head, J.A. Kennedy, who was the first head of the Ontario Municipal Board. And uh, most of your listeners won't know Canadian law, but it's a little bit different than in the States. And mm-hmm. the OMB, essentially, in Ontario, is the court of last resort for anybody that has a property issue. And uh, Mr. Kennedy, I, that, that was just absolutely dumb luck, what I call serendipity to mm-hmm. now, because it makes me sound a little bit more uh, polished than referring to it as dumb luck. But uh, Mr. Kennedy uh, gave me insight into the vagaries of land planning and development. That was exciting. It just fits my sloppy, lucky, uh, happy-go-lucky kind of personality style. Uh, So uh, fast forward 20 years. It's now 1987. Uh, Black Monday occurred, which was Mm. the same in Canada as it was in the States. Typically, our economies are a little bit out of sync, but Black Monday hit both economies hard. We were in position to be purchasing about 50 acres uh, just for a a new industrial plant in Burlington, Ontario, a suburb of Toronto. Everything in Ontario is a suburb of Toronto now. (laughs) Uh, And uh, the the gentleman who I was purchasing the land from, it was a private FISBO deal, um, had jacked the price on me twice. So Tuesday morning after Black Monday, I, I phoned Mr. McNee and said, this is my best and final offer. Don't accept it by five o'clock tonight. I'm gone. Uh, that's not entirely true, of course, but that was a mm-hmm. negotiating technique. Mr. McNee was heavily involved in the stock market. He had to sell this and we picked that land up in, uh, the fall of 1987. Uh, two years later, we sold it at 10 times the value of that property. So wow. the, the number wow. one lesson in, in real estate that is always true is you make your money on the buy. Mm-hmm. If you buy it right, uh, then any idiot can can make money on it. Mm-hmm. You buy it at the top, it doesn't matter how brilliant you are, you're going to lose it. Mm-hmm. Sweeping generalization, of course. Uh, so uh, that was 1987, 1989. I went to my then wife and said, honey, where in the world do you want to move? Because the, the, the numbers were of that order of magnitude. We were we were 39 at the time, and she selected Montecito, California, which was an absolute beautiful spot to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, we relocated our, our family there. Uh, her family uh, um, trusted my real estate acumen enough to come to Lone Jack, Missouri, uh, to look at a couple of sections of land that were part of the patriarchal uh, uh, estate and need to be dissolved. Um, or sold. And, uh, I, I came to where the hell in the world is Lone Jack, Missouri <laughs> and, uh, and, and did a clandestine study. It's not rocket science. You just study your comps. And, uh, this is now 1989. Uh, for some of your listeners that are my age, they'll remember the resolution trust savings and loan mm, yeah. debacle, uh, that we, the country went through at the time. And, um, I had Canadian cash burning a hole in my pocket. Um, when I did my comps, I came across 230 acres at the intersection of Prior Road and 3rd Street in Lee Summit uh, that was about to be foreclosed uh, on the then real estate owner. And uh, I offered an absolute rock bottom price and negotiated hard with the realtor who was representing it. And 
re- literally didn't care um, whether I got it or not. And I, I got a call a couple of days later that, that uh, they accepted my offer. So we're now the proud property owner of 230 acres of absolutely drop-dead gorgeous land, mm-hmm. a kind of Ozarkian feel with uh, uh, Cedar Creek running right through it. And um, um, we're serendipity again, dumb good luck, uh, met a gentleman by the name of Kip Scott, who was just moving out of um, the J.C. Nichols firm, which, uh, yeah. again, for those yeah. with... Uh, some age uh, on them. I will remember the esteemed J.C. Nichols Company, which unfortunately went through uh, a challenging time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I worked with Kip. We put together a plan. Um, and this is where my Canadian background comes in, small as socialist. If mm-hmm. you're going to be a real estate developer in Canada, you, you, you need it, – it's not the land of the free. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I say that, I do not want to be disrespectful. Uh I've, I've maintained my Canadian passport. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I have my green card in the States, but I'm a Canadian mm-hmm. uh, and a small s socialist. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what would typically be seen as a difference in our communities um, as, a, as a property owner, commercial or residential. You get a lot uh, in our communities and uh, um, that's that just that giving back. Yeah. Um, so... Um, uh, we, we purchased that, uh, we named the property Winterset because there's this goddamn rock that's about six feet below grade, <laughs> if we're lucky, called Winterset Limestone. It's a oh, okay. soft limestone, runs from Iowa down to North Texas, uh, the, the homes along, uh, Manuel Cleaver Boulevard, that's Winterset mm-hmm. Limestone hmm. on it. And, uh, how I discovered that, serendipity again. Uh, I don't trust geotech bores one inch on 50 foot centers. I go out with the biggest, baddest track hole I can find and dig to refusal. And uh, did that with a, a, a gentleman one day and, and uh, he was able to rip this rock and get almost another eight or 10 feet of depth, which is beneficial because it increases the yield. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't increase the yield, it at least gives the real estate developer <clears throat> more flexibility. Uh, so asked him, what's the name of that rock? He said, Winterset. That's how the property got named. Fantastic. And, and, uh, see, there's a backstory I already didn't know. That's, <laughs> that's terrific. Um, uh, there's now six neighborhoods within Winterset. Um, the, the serendipity again, just when we get to the end of one project or one neighborhood, uh, if, if, if I can refer to, you know, several blocks, you know, anywhere from 100 to 200 to 300 homes as a neighborhood. Uh, we've been lucky to be able to acquire additional land, which is not typical. Uh, it's by far the norm that if a real estate project is successful, somebody will copy you on the periphery or you know, right. some other money will come along. We've just been able to, to grow the project. So it's now 1,500 acres. You mentioned New Longview. New Longview was intended to be the village center for Winterset. And uh, it's a totally different lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, Party on the alleys, uh, Mm -hmm. that it it works. It took a long time. I'm going to say eight or 10 years before it really hit its pace. I think you may, 
uh, I'll, I'll credit Clevin Klinkenberg for the phrase, there, <laughs> there's a there there now. Yeah. Uh, where, where, again, sweeping generalization, if you attempt traditional neighborhood design out in a suburbia, that's a, that's a tough hole. You're going to sink a lot of money into that project before it, yeah. it hits. Um, so uh, New Longview is now a success. I can't say that about the commercial uh, mm-hmm. so much because uh, com- sweeping generalization, commercial follows rooftops. And on the west side of Lee Summit, we have beautiful Longview Lake and, and Longview College there, but not a lot of consuming rooftops. They're, they're coming. Right. And that's, that's a lesson learned. Yeah. So yeah. Th- there you go. I tried to condense about a two-hour talk into five minutes. Perfect. No, no, that was good. So I, one thing I'm curious about, so when you acquired the original land at, at Winterset uh, and you partnered up with Kip uh, Scott, uh, you had never – uh, laid out a residential uh, subdivision before. Uh, how yeah. how did you how did you go about that? How did you go about the process of figuring out like how to lay out a subdivision and and make all that work? Well, I had a couple of undergraduate courses. I was an expert. You know, <laughs> it, it's it's the master of the universe <laughs> kind of psychology. Uh, we had been fortunate through my ex wife's family had had uh, worked on a, a couple of lots in Boulder, Colorado, which was an education. Uh, Santa Barbara, California, uh, on, on property there, I, I, I built and platted property, uh, I'm sorry, platted property and, and built buildings in Southern Ontario and across Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not a lot, three or four. Uh, it, it was a tremendous leap. Um, but you got to remember I'm Canadian <laughs> and, and, and there's a natural trust for all Canadians, yeah. isn't there? Yes. Uh, yeah. and, uh, I'd, I'd like to think that I haven't betrayed that trust that was, was given me by a number of, of markets. Uh, I, I did work in mission and Gladstone and, uh, across Lee summit at one point in time, almost 20% of the population Lee summit lived or worked in one of my communities. Now that's back in the early nineties. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what, uh, thinking back on that sort of original effort that you had when you had the original winter set land and, and you were working on it, were there things with, you know, 20 years later, 30 years later that you thought, gosh, I wish I'd done that differently. Or, um, I just curious, I'm always curious about like, cause that's a monumental effort. it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to plan and develop a couple hundred acres of land. Well, it, but it didn't, it, my mind doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the whole risk reward perspective is is different, and that's that um, speaks to personality types. Uh, there are those of us who are bankers for a reason, uh, risk averse, mm-hmm. and there are those of us who are real estate developers and what the hell I can do that mm-hmm. uh, kind of attitude. Uh, that's sloppy logic on my part, but it's not entirely not true. Um, we are driven by our egos in the builder and real estate community. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole batch more reason to not do something than there is to, to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, there, a, a fire is lit in us. And sometimes it's, it's simply a, a, a fellow who's part of a framing crew and he gets enough money to, to do his first spec building and it's successful. So now he builds a couple of houses and then he has the opportunity to pick up an acre or two and do a small development. There's a incremental expansion. 
Then there's from the top down, somebody who has made their money in another industry who looks at real estate development and says, this is easy. Uh, mm-hmm. And they end up spending their kids' inheritance, <laughs> learning that, no, it's not. And, yeah. and the, the biggest vagary is the economic cycles. Um, yeah. But you think there's there's kind of a, a inherent uh, optimism uh, in developers that are successful and keep keep pursuing development. There has to be. There has to be. Uh, I, I reference ego, uh, and I'm I, I I tell myself that my ego isn't as big as it once was, but goddamn, it was huge. Um, <laughs> and uh, and that's a, a trap we fall into. Anybody who's successful, I think, really, and I say this, I'm 73 now, mm-hmm. so I, I come up from a from a perspective uh, that's different than when I was in my 50s. And I used to joke that I was right 70 or 80% of the time. Now I recognize I'm lucky to be right 51% of the time. <laughs> um, so it's, it's learned. Yeah. So um, eventually uh, you come across uh, the Longview Farm land. And uh, we met um, during all that process. And uh, one of the things I've always been curious about, and this, I, I think this may be interesting from the perspective of not just other developers or people interested in development, but other like designers, uh, entrepreneurs, um, what, uh, what was it that you, uh, saw where you want, first of all, there are two things, I guess. One, what made you interested in wanting to do something different, the sort of traditional neighborhood development approach? Uh, and then secondly, taking a risk on a couple of 30 year old guys who were barely, geez, uh, were you 30? <laughs> I was, we were 30 at the time. Yeah. I thought you were in your twenties. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, a, there, there weren't that many we, people. We were 30, but we looked like we were in our twenties. <laughs> uh, you, you and Brian, uh, were well connected. You put together a, a Cracker Jack team from across mm. Uh, the, the states and mm-hmm. a couple from Calgary, mm-hmm. um, very knowledgeable guys. Uh, that was probably the most fun I've ever had for a, a week uh, mm-hmm. when we staged that charrette. Um, the how it evolved, and I'll I'll recognize Urban Lands Institute, mm-hmm. which uh, if you're a real estate developer, if you're thinking about being a real estate developer, you've got to be a member of ULI. And uh, you remember our good friend, Joe Perry? Oh, sure. Uh, Joe, who ran our commercial uh, mm-hmm. division, is, is now the head of ULI mm-hmm. in Kansas City, doing a great job with the Port Authority. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, so I've had the opportunity with ULI to visit projects at their annual and quarterly uh, conventions across the states. Had visited Stapleton, of course, which is now uh, called uh, Central Park. Um, celebration in Florida. Um, th- th- there's a long list, yeah. and uh, through ULI had had seen how you can design a village, and we needed a, a village center because uh, because it was all classic suburbia. I know you're an urban mm-hmm. guy, mm-hmm. and uh, if I could convince my wife to be, I would be too. Um, you know, it's it's one thing for mom and dad and the two kids to, to have a suburban residence. That's mm-hmm. a target. Uh, and isn't it nice when we can walk to a movie theater, walk to school, walk to the coffee shop, walk to the bank? Um, and that's what that, – that was the concept. The new Longview right. 
which was a hole in the donut on the west side of Lee Summit. Um, and I, I'll pay my respect to Dean Goodman. Uh, Dean and a group of uh, investors and his friends from Colorado had purchased uh, the balance of the R.A. Long baronial estate back in 1985, which was the top of the curve. Mm. And uh, as I shared, we, we purchased our initial holding in the Lee Summit at the bottom of the curve in 1989. Dean never made money on mm. New Longview and was rescued by Canadian money out of Vancouver, who, who kept Dean in place as, as the caretaker. But Dean did not have the the flexibility to make the moves that are necessary uh, mm -hmm. to, to make real estate work. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, he had proposed an apartment project abutting uh, uh, another development. And uh, I was approached by the, the vigilante group who was opposed to mm -hmm. uh, this apartment project to um, uh, attempt to buy the property. And there's few real estate developers who want to get in bed with a with an unknowing group of neighbors who are opposed to anything. I, I think, right. you know, I, I want to recognize that there's a passion, and in our system, uh, everybody has the right to share a perspective. We talk about NIMBY, not, mm -hmm. that's okay, but not in my backyard mm -hmm. or note, not over there either. Right. Or banana, build absolutely nothing anywhere near anybody. Uh -huh. uh, cave, cities, uh, citizens against virtually everything. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm a Canadian, so I, I, I make sure when I'm presenting to a city council that at some point in time, I'm going to share that because that mm -hmm. has value. And then at some point in time, I, I make... It has to be timed perfectly, but lighthearted comments about this and mm -hmm. with respect that um, everybody's entitled to their view. And uh, I can share one example in New Longview where we had proposed a, an apartment project, this is now 15 years later, of two-story and three-story product designed in the same uh, clipped roof, Dutch roof style of the Longview Shore Horse Arena. Mm -hmm. uh, and the neighbors didn't like that. And, and that was the first project that I've been opposed at, at a Lee Summit City Council meeting. Mm. And that was the driver that caused the, the bank to give up on me. And I ended up losing, losing, uh, going through a friendly foreclosure, mm -hmm. uh, which was an education on about 75 to hundred acres out there. Mm -hmm. What, what is there now is four and five story apartment mm -hmm. buildings like what you see everywhere. Yeah. And the people who live in those apartment buildings are fine. And there's a buffer, which is what we could have also. And it's fine. And, you know, life as we know it has, has gone on. But, but for those who are thinking about opposing something, you squint and imagine if that's not there, what's going to be there? Yeah. Um, that was a sidebar. Sorry to go off topic. No, no, it's fine. I think all the, all this is interesting. There are so many things you know, about that project that we could talk about. Uh, and uh, obviously, one of the things that I'm uh, curious about is your perspective uh, undertaking, trying to do a, a new urbanist project like that. Uh, 
some of the uh, some of the benefits, some of the challenges, things that are maybe some things that are easier or anything, you know, things that are harder. If there's anything easier, there may not be. Uh, it's it's a very difficult undertaking, but uh, I think it was 260 acres, if I remember right, uh, when we did the master plan. And then you're right, we had uh, it was kind of broken up into neighborhoods, and then we had sort of a commercial center uh, at the northwest corner. Um, and um, I, I'm fascinated to know. I'd like to share a couple of observations I have, but I'm curious, like just more about your thoughts first of all about now that it's like over 20 years later and, and what do you, what do you see looking back in the mirror about, um, uh, the path to doing that project? Yeah. Um, it's, it was the right project. Um, uh, when you refer to highest and best use, um, I wish I would have had more capital, but every developer sure. wishes they would have had more capital. Uh, we probably should have come out with a lesser product, a lesser price product. Um, um, uh, Chris Klein, Joe Perry, uh, Brian, and, and yourself, uh, a, a great team of insightful mm -hmm. uh, forward thinkers, uh, um, uh, all, all architects and land planners, that where I'm... I refer to myself more as a community builder, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, fluff and tickle stuff, yeah. uh, and uh, and they, I, I think we could have reached a um, a critical mass faster if we had of built lesser product, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just square footage. The, the, uh, the architectural standards were, were critical, mm -hmm. uh, I think for it. Which is um, some smaller homes and starter homes and things yeah, like that. Yeah. We, mm -hmm. you know, sure. you, you may recall, we, you know, in a wild ass experiment, we have a bungalow court. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I, uh, I take people to that all the time. It is absolutely beautiful. Right mm -hmm. beside the three sisters emblematic mm -hmm. of the seven painted ladies in yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, so this, the 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 paint the the three sisters probably at the time retailed for the high twos. Uh, this is back in two thousand three, two thousand four. Now, mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, maybe the, the low threes. The bungalow court right beside it were were nine. Um, uh, no no basement uh, homes mm -hmm. targeting the uh, the elderly. Um, uh, 1,000 to 1,200 square feet, perhaps three or four of them had a story and a half element. And beside that was a $600,000 home. Mm -hmm. So you don't do this in suburbia. You don't right. build a 600 right next door to uh, nine 150s uh, mm -hmm. uh, next door to three 300s. Yeah. Uh, but damn it, it worked. Yeah. And it is so cool. Yeah. Uh, the streetscape is wonderful. Uh, yeah. That, that, uh, you know that that's that's one element. Yeah, um, I'm a, I I uh, I'm always amazed every time I go out there and see a, certainly those first few phases of residential, the first few neighborhoods that were built, and um, I love it. I mean, it's remarkable to see how well it works. Well, and I'll compliment Russ Pearson and his team. He's he, he uh, eventually acquired control of that land and. I think for the most part, he's he's continued the streetscape mm -hmm. uh, as per your plan. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the interaction of the park space, uh, 
and the residential and all that really, uh, really felt like it. Uh, I mean, when you go there today, it, it, it has those postcard moments mm-hmm. of what you would expect. Oh, go out there during Halloween yeah. or Christmas, the uh, summertime, uh, the, the alley parties. It's really cool. Yeah. But I know one of the big challenges that you had in that era in particular was just um, uh, finding somebody who could build what you wanted to have built. And so you formed your own home building company uh, as part of the process as well, which I don't think was something you anticipated you were going to do <laughs> when you when you took on the project. So that must have been a, a, a an enormous challenge for you to stand up a home building company too during all that. Uh, well, that we did in conjunction with Arbor Walk. Um, we'd had a contract for about 150 homes from a real estate firm in St. Louis. It's still in business, McBride Homes. And they ended up walking on us. And, uh, you know, this is where the ego comes into effect. You think, well, what the hell, we can build those. And uh, and, and that's what, what started the home building company. And the evolution into the new Longview product was mm-hmm. fairly easy. The, the challenge with TND is uh, maybe three elements versus suburban building. You have the alley. A, a 12-foot concrete alley is the mm-hmm. right cross-section. And then three feet on either side for easements for utilities. Right. And then out front, you typically run your sanitary and, and water. And challenge is not the right word, but it took negotiation with the utility providers to be able to play well in the sandbox with with those tight uh, confines. Uh, the homes were closer together. Of course, you know, 70 and 80 years ago, prior to air conditioning, you know, that was uh, different. But today, windows typically aren't opened, so mm-hmm. that close proximity is fine. Um, most of us don't throw our throw the ball around in the backyard with kids. We, we have parks. So the lifestyle for families is great once you get ahead around that not everybody needs this big backyard. Uh, if assuming you have parks, mm-hmm. the other is in Kansas City, we're cursed with clay-based soils, hmm. and if you have a quarter inch of rain in anything less than an hour, you're going to have surface flow, mm-hmm. and that surface flow in design is the toughest thing to work with, uh, so that people don't have wet spots um, in, in their land. You're working in tight confines with equipment that doesn't always grade perfectly. Um, so th- those, those were the three, the, the tighter buildings, the cross section of the alleys and, um, and the clay base soils. What about from strictly from the, uh, side of the, the financial side or the marketing side, how, how, uh, what were some of the challenges there or, or just things that were worked well? Yeah, I, I don't, we, we had enough credibility as a company and enough assets on our, under our belt to provide the collateral for our loans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we it, it, there's an inefficiency in using your own cash and not taking advantage of leverage. But the advantage of using your own cash is when the economy turns, and it always turns, you're not going to mm-hmm. have the risk of uh, foreclosure or, or challenges that interest rates do. You know? mm-hmm. We have been you know, a lot of serendipity on our side in, in this latest economy where 
um, you know, when interest rates double mm-hmm. and and uh, absorption is is cut by ninety percent. Yeah, you know, if you're highly leveraged, you're out of business. Yeah, and, and we're fortunate. We're we're in a good place during this cycle. We have a, a, a good sized project up in Liberty that we're working on, and mm-hmm. it's probably we we would have preferred. I know uh, I just caught myself. I'm glad that we didn't get in the ground two years ago because we'd have ten times the amount of cash leverage that we do right now mm. in a slowing economy. We're, we're aiming to be in the ground this this summer on a thousand acre project, which will be pretty cool. Yeah. Were there, uh, one of the things that we talked about early on on that project on New Longview was just the, uh, how to market it, how to sell it, uh, in, in a suburban community that hadn't seen anything new quite like that. Uh, and, uh, it seemed like my main, my memory of it was that was pretty successful that you all found a great way to position the project. <laughs> yeah. We referred to it as Brookside with basements that don't leak. <laughs> so cheap shot at my friends in Brookside. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's very apropos. I, as somebody who lives in a 110 year old house, the, the basement is we're trying to renovate it right now because it's a, it's a mess. But yeah. Um, did you, where did the, um, uh, where did the buyers come from? Where, uh, were there, mm. Were they from all over? Were they mostly just le- looking in Lee Summit anyway? No, it was all over. Uh, we uh, we were fortunate um, to be highly regarded at the time uh, as as a project. Um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now as as to the award that we received, hmm. um, and and. Uh, in, in competition with Ron Jury's present hotel. I mean, oh, there was a historic Kansas City Foundation award, I think, and then oh, there were some other. There you, were a few. You, 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 you got it. a bunch of. You awards. name it. Yeah. New Longview got it. It yeah. was a it was yeah. a sexy animal at the time. Right. Uh, so we, we enjoyed high profile in Kansas City. Started the Business Journal. Uh, yeah. Any any right. of the press at that point. Um, so the, the curious folks uh, uh, came to us. You know, one thing I learned in the. Uh, when we first took this this project on, is Kansas City split into four four groups: Eastern Jackson County, uh, Johnson County, North of the River, downtown. And uh, there's a lot of loyalty, uh, loyalty maybe may comfort, exhibited by the folks who live in in one of those four areas to remaining in that mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that's I've I've learned, folks in Lee Summit. Are, are very proud of the R7 school district. And my, my now wife was a product of, of R7, um, award-winning teacher, and I have lots of respect. Mm-hmm. Um, but similarly, the Liberty School System, the Parkville School right. System, uh, several in Johnson County. And every resident of those areas that whose kids are fortunate enough to go to those public schools have all drank the Kool-Aid and think this is the best school district <laughs> in the market. There's a lot of, of excellent school districts. Yeah. Uh, we've been lucky to be yeah. involved in them. Yeah. Um, I was, um, <clears throat> the last the last few years, we've, uh, as a family, had the good fortune to go spend um, Thanksgiving down uh, in the Florida Panhandle in some of the communities that you know well. So we actually, we've stayed in uh, watercolor uh, three of the last four years. 
which is right adjacent to Seaside. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for most people um, going there, you wouldn't even really recognize a difference between Seaside and Watercolor uh, because they're basically connected and have a lot of similar look and feel uh, and everything. But uh, those of us in the business obviously kind of know where the lines are and what's different and what's not. But this last year, uh, you know, I was, I was walking around and uh, I, I kind of caught myself thinking again, you know, why it's watercolor in that area. Those developments are so incredibly successful <clears throat> and they're beautiful. They're wonderful places. Uh, you know, not just uh, have the walkable characteristics, but even if you're just thinking of beautiful residential areas, they're just wonderful in that regard. And I, I caught myself again, wondering like, why haven't we seen more of this mm-hmm. uh, in the Midwest in particular? Um, cause that's where I live. It's a part of the country I care uh, a lot about. And, uh, and when I walk around seaside and watercolor, they feel very Midwestern to me, you know, just small town, mom and apple pie sort of stuff, baseball, you name it. It just feels very much like Americana. And yet, um, you know, 35 years since the advent of new urbanism, we just haven't seen much in the way, um, even after New Longview, there ha- hasn't been a lot in the way of like new greenfield development mm-hmm. that has that look and feel. And I, so why, why do you, what's your perspective on that? Why is that? Uh, uh, I, I have two truths. Uh, one is in Kansas City, we're blessed with 200 miles of green space in any direction you go. And <clears throat> land is not the point of competitive difference that it is in the Panhandle or any place on the East Coast or the West Coast or on the Eastern Front abutting the Rockies, uh, Denver, down right. Colorado Springs, Fort Collins. So nationally, land here is inexpensive. I'd, I'd say ridiculously inexpensive, Yeah. but folks who are trying to buy something wouldn't agree with that statement because it's all, it's all relative. Uh, that's why none of the majors are in town, mm-hmm. um, uh, major home builders, right. uh, taking a 500 acre position is of no benefit here. Cause it's easy to f- buy another 500 acres mm-hmm. sweeping generalization. Mm-hmm. The other aspect is who is the customer? The first time I visited Seaside with ULI, and I'm going to get my numbers wrong. How many residences are there in Seaside? Oh, God. I, that's a good question. I mean, it's it's only 60 acres. Yeah, I'm, I, maybe uh, 180. Yeah. Prob- something like that. Maybe it, it, 180. It's not many. It's yeah. a few hundred at most. Yeah. When we were there, we, we stayed at a timeshare. And I, I, I don't want to give an incorrect number, but I'm going to say 90% of the residences were available as timeshares. They mm-hmm. were not full-time residential units. Right. Basically, it's a horizontal hotel. It is, yeah. Um, I I don't have the numbers on watercolor. or similar, very similar. So these are families from Atlanta, um, Tallahassee, uh, commuting there, taking position as a summer home. Um, we, We don't have that element of need here summer home, that's Lake of the Ozarks, right? Uh, which is uh, laid out differently. Yeah. Um, and in that curious, uh, 
so a, a living, breathing community where people, you know, you're uh, missing middle, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the starter home, the bungalow court uh, designed for the individual, the John Knox village. You, you need all of that for a true community. Um, a vacation property is, is different. And uh, it, it would be cool. Um, you know, I, I reference... Uh, we, we've got a number of years under our belt, so I'll, I'll, sh- I'll share this as a real mm-hmm. story. Um, Harry Lloyd uh, had had been spending his kids' inheritance on Lock Lloyd, mm-hmm. and Mr. Lloyd passed away. It's, it's, it's a work of art, gated mm-hmm. community. Um, Patrick Mahomes lives there now. Absolutely, yep. <laughs> uh, uh, and um, um, the, Mr. Lloyd passed away. The, the property was losing something like a million dollars a month oh. on, on the golf course, the maintenance, you know, the works of art cost money to maintain. Right. And I hadn't signed the, the paperwork yet, but we had been negotiating uh, with the family trust to take that on. And then um, I'm forgetting the gentleman's name. Uh, this is an embarrassment. I've already shared I'm 73. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. I'm, fi- uh, I'm 54 and it happens <laughs> several times a day. Um, uh, Cerner, uh, one of the two partners with Cerner. Yeah. Um, um, it was Cliff Illig and Neil Patterson. Uh, Mr. Patterson. Yeah. Mr. Patterson ended up purchasing it and, and building a beautiful home. Right. Right. And he paid twice what I had been negotiating for that property. Hmm. And it, it's wonderful. Mr. Patterson was able to take Lock Lloyd to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. And, and and similarly, the National. It's the same team that did the National up in mm-hmm. Parkville. And it's, it's tough for a for-profit-minded real estate developer, which I flatter myself as being, mm-hmm. to compete with gentlemen who, have, who are bringing uh, that kind of largesse to creating art. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's, I flatter myself, that's what Winterset is. Mm-hmm. And what, what New Longview could have been had I not, had I been more awake for 2008. <laughs> 2008, for those who don't know, was uh, the, the last big recession in our industry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you weren't the only one mm-hmm. caught, caught up in all that. Uh, we have many friends and colleagues who were all caught up in that. Um, so uh, what then, uh, what are you up to today? Because I know you are still active and doing a lot of things and you have this really interesting background. You even got involved in trying to do a couple of urban projects for a while. Uh, and uh, So p- prior to 2008, yeah. we, we wanted to be a, a planning and design and construction firm mm-hmm. uh, of record from basically Des Moines to uh, um, Wichita um, and Topeka to Columbia. And, and we had the muscle, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Klein, Joe Perry, and, mm-hmm. and others, Salman Cohen, and others to be able to accomplish that. And uh, um, then 2000, 2006, we started seeing a slowdown. Yeah. Uh, 2007, definitely. And then, you know, disaster yeah. hit 2008. And uh, it, uh, I was fortunate to have the Winterset brand in, in, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, but in, in turmoil, the market goes to quality and, and mm-hmm. Winterset had a long track record. Even in the worst of times, we would be building 10 to 15 homes a year 
doesn't sound like much when you're, you're used to building 70 to 100. Yeah. Uh, but that's enough to keep bread on the table and keep going until the market returns. Uh, so winter set still going on. We're mm -hmm. designing phase 36 now. <laughs> phase 36, uh, wow. <laughs> Uh, uh, very, very fortunate for that. We were able to hold on to uh, four good commercial buildings in New Longview. That's mm -hmm. where our corporate office is now. I, I mentioned uh, Stapleton, mm -hmm. one of the first three folks that were hired by the city of Denver to figure out what the hell do we do with a 5,000-acre mothballed airport. Uh, Tom Hart and I uh, hooked up, and we've been working on a project up in Liberty mm -hmm. uh, for the better for for longer than we care to admit right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's a large master plan community as well. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. A, a thousand acres where collectively we've, we're we bringing to bear everything that we've learned um, in the 20,000 acres that between the two of us, we've been mm -hmm. fortunate enough to be able to recreate the canvas on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what's the thinking on that? So how, how has your experience over the years kind of impacted or influenced your thinking on how to create a, a community of that scale now? Yeah. yeah. I, um, the economics require us to recognize the need for absorption faster. You know, mm -hmm. Money's more expensive. Patience is less. Um, brand perception changes quicker um and and what people are looking for is different uh mm -hmm. so uh you know with with winterset we were experimenting with walk walking trails we introduced a policy that uh, cedar shakes were not allowed at a time when lakewood leewood lenexa all required cedar shakes mm -hmm. we were the first to require asphalt shingles dual source heat pumps, mm -hmm. uh, street tree plans, and walking trails. Mm -hmm. um, that created the ethic in Winterset that has been maintained and, and tweaked a little bit. Uh, as we squint and imagine what people are going to want in 20 and 30 years, mm -hmm. the hottest thing right now that doesn't sound very professional, but what, mm -hmm. what up-and-coming master plan communities uh, anything larger than several hundred acres will have on-site farms or, or, hmm. or green space where growing is fruits, vegetables mm -hmm. uh, is encouraged. So we have an eight acre demonstration farm mm -hmm. connecting with about six miles of walking trails. Um, of course, the proverbial soccer lacrosse fields. Sure. There, everybody has to have that now. And yeah. pickleball. Let's not forget <laughs> pickleball. <laughs> yeah, I got I got a pickleball set for Christmas. So. <laughs> it is one noisy sport. So it, it has to be located yeah. Uh, properly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that, that uh, it, it's it's more of what we've learned in Winterset, what we learned in Stapleton, mm -hmm. um, uh, with, with what we're recognizing I say recognizing it it's all a gamble it's all a mm -hmm. bet we flatter ourselves whether it's through ULI or any of the other and there's a multitude of high quality organizations who volunteers like Kevin Klinkenberg and Dave mm -hmm. Gale will will speak to and address and and um, pontificate from on high as to <laughs> as to the, the best way to do something yeah I like using the expression squint and imagine what it looks like 50 years from now Mm -hmm. and, and that gets people thinking because we are imprinting this 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 land. And I'm not a God fearing guy, but 
nature is is wonderful when you let it do its thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, we, I photographed two deer in my backyard that had nested uh, yesterday morning, and I was up at about six, and just as they were starting to wake up, that is so cool. Mm-hmm. And there's few of us that get to enjoy that, or even enjoy deer having them in their backyard. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that that that's what that's what turns me on, and and being able to, like I say, build community. When when you have a community association, another thing that I pontificate on is we we don't have an HOA, uh, homeowners associations. I don't like. I like the phrase community association. It it evokes a different sense hmm. of entitlement. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that whole community NPR was running a program on on community as I drove in here this morning, and the uh, the style of how we choose to interact uh, is predicated by the boxes that we choose to live in, mm-hmm. and the activities that are presented to us in those in those neighborhoods. So. It's, it's cool when you can get people out. Uh, Winterset has for, I'm going to say the last eight or nine years, two times a year, had a Trek the Trails program where uh, through the website you can find out where the trail hike is and hmm. and the signage is such that, you know, sign number one might be the raccoon station. So you have to write down that you saw where the raccoon station was and what hmm. number it aligned with. And it, it gets people out there. Yeah. The, the phenomenon is you, you can – design a golf course community and less than 20% of the people play golf. Uh, right. You can design these beautiful walking trails down in an 80-foot deep Ozarkian type uh, uh, geology. And I, I'd like to think that more than 50% of the people at least once a year get out on the trails. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I want to believe that's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure it is. Mm-hmm. That seems That seems likely, mm-hmm. uh, at least based on what I've seen in lots of different places. Uh, Dave, what, uh, what, uh, do you ever have the chance to like give advice to younger people who are thinking about real estate or development? Does, does anybody ever ask you? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, quite often. Uh, I have, uh, two boys, a cutter mm-hmm. and hunter who mm-hmm. were teenagers at, at the time and, uh, they're my exit strategy. Uh, <laughs> uh, my, my wife's son uh, is in real estate. So we, we hope that he also will, will be involved in my, my partner's kids. Uh, uh, sure. Uh, you know, gosh, th- this uh, I really appreciate this opportunity, Kevin. I, I I have to predicate all this with with what I've done was all a point in time, yeah. And and the art of real estate development uh, continues to evolve, and the and the parameters. Uh, how much does it cost per square foot? For the box, the construction, uh, what can we afford? Principal and interest, which is the primary measurement of what we can afford uh, on a monthly basis. Um, you know where we want to be. Um, the the I, I hesitate to say this is the right way or the wrong way because I I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's not a very educated uh, answer. I, I try and and determine what what are why uh, it, does it seem glorious? Uh, are they outdoorsy people? Or do they come at it from the building component, from the financing component? Um, I, I've been a longstanding member of, of Rotary, uh, and and 
ULI, as I as I mentioned, uh, been heavily involved philanthropically uh, back when we had a bigger business. That that has to be managed probably better than I did. I, it took a lot of time away from the business. I loved it. Uh, it was quite flattering to be mm-hmm. asked to serve, um, and I hoped that I, I gave value. Um, but but the, the essence is there is no one answer. Uh, there's lots of books that have been written, and they're all past tense. Uh, how how do we know what the future holds? Uh, principal and interest, monthly principal and interest, of course, taxes, insurance, and other things, are, is the primary predicator of how much we can afford mm-hmm. on a monthly basis. Uh, what is going to be the cost of that box? Uh, where does the family want to settle? Um, the, the, there's so many questions um, that it, it's staggering to think of planning too far ahead in this business. Hmm. Uh, I, I used to joke hmm. that a, a, a builder's time frame was about six months. Well, this is going back a number of years. Mm-hmm. From the day they started digging the foundation to the day they turned the keys over to the new homeowner. Right. And um, in our business, in real estate development, uh, it, in, in this market, it probably has to be about three years. Now, yeah. I shared in our Liberty yeah. Project, we just passed our 10th anniversary mm. of having our first meeting with the City of Liberty on putting this project together. Mm. No fault of the City of Liberty. They've been wonderful, very professional team, or or, or the property owners. Um, but it, it's just these are complicated. Um, I, I'd share the NIMBY note, cave and banana uh, jargon. You know, words matter, the Community Association versus HOA. Uh, master planned community or mixed use. Uh, Tom, Tom and I, who are fairly elitist, drives us nuts when an apartment building in a Starbucks refers to themselves as mixed use. <laughs> <laughs> I know, <laughs> but I know. But, but everything becomes a buzzword at some point. <laughs> That's right. You're you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, so uh, we we don't know. Tom will will tell the story that when he started Stapleton Transit Oriented Design had not yet been coined. Right. And, and now the streetcar, that, what, isn't that a wonderful yeah. uh, element added to the Kansas City fabric? That's TOD. Um, TND, traditional neighborhood design, 30 years ago. It, it hadn't been invented yet. The team right. at Seaside was was working that. And that, of course, we know that mm-hmm. as Brookside. Uh, that, that was the same kind of element. Right. Um, just getting back to the future, coin a movie. Um, so I'm, I'm, my, my ego isn't what it used to be. If you had to ask me that question 20 years ago, hell yes, I had all the answers. <laughs> That's okay. So did I, <laughs> uh, but we're still here. So we are, we so, are, aren't we lucky? Yeah, we are. Um, well, Dave, this has been great. Thanks very much. Uh, I'm so glad you're able to come in and, and do this and, and for us to catch up. And uh, uh, look forward to staying in touch and and following what you're up to with all of your various uh, ventures these days. Very much appreciate the time, Kevin. Best wishes. All right. Thank you. 